All right. Now it looks better. <laughs> Hi, Take everybody. two. Take two. You're listening to... Welcome to your Friday. <laughs> You're listening to Crooked News, where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and uh, a great way to start your weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I've got some fun articles for us today. Okay. Um, so in light of recent events, I wanted to do this one. Thought it was fun. Cool. Um, you bum, why did you hit me? 75-year-old right. Asian woman beats attacker with stick in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, this was written by John Bacon for USA Today, and it was actually published today, March 18th. Nice. Um, this is breaking news as we record this. Yes. Um, an elderly Asian woman attacked and punched by a man on San Francisco Street fought back, leaving him battered, bloodied, and hospitalized. Love it. Uh, the clash came hours after city police announced increased patrols in Asian neighborhoods following a recent surge of attacks in the city and across the nation, including a shooting rampage in Georgia that left six Asian women and two other people dead. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, that was Yeah, awful. I heard about that. That was terrible. Yeah. Uh, Zhao Zenzi, 75, was very traumatized and very scared after the encounter. Of course. Um... With her daughter, Dong Mei Li, helping to translate. Zhao's face appeared swollen and she could not yet see in one eye, her daughter said. Zhao said she was waiting at a traffic light when the suspect suddenly punched her in the eye. She picked up a stick and fought back. Um, oh my god! Video from the scene, shot after the attack, shows the woman holding the board in one hand and an ice bag in the other. So the some alleged- dude just is, was standing on a street corner and decided, I'm gonna punch this old lady. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, that's come happening. Come on, people. The alleged attacker is seen, his face bloodied, being rolled away on a stretcher. Sean. Is it S E A N? No. No, oh, seen. Gotcha. Like the word seen. It, yeah. You paused and it sounded like his name. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I paused because there was a comma. Um, My bad. You bum, why did you hit me? The woman said in Chinese. Um, police say the case is being investigated as a possible hate crime. The it 30- is a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Who punches an old lady in the face? This dumbass. Um. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, the 39-year-old man accused in this case is also a suspect in another attack on an 83-year-old Asian man in the, in the same area earlier Wednesday. What? Yeah. He's just attacking old people? Yep. I'm sorry, sir, but if your views are telling you to attack old people, your views are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You're wrong. No matter what you think. Um, there was a guy on a stretcher and a frustrated, angry woman with a stick in her hand, Dennis O'Donnell, uh, KPIX 5 sports director who happened upon the scene during his morning run, told the station. 
From what I could see, she wanted more of the guy on the stretcher, and the police were holding her back. Fuck yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, as you may know, the San Francisco Bay Area has seen has been seeing an alarming spike in brazen anti-Asian violence in recent weeks. Yeah, it's been really um, bad. Yeah, Police Chief William Scott expressed in a statement. We are coordinating with our federal partners and local Asian American community organizations. Working together, we must prevent violence and hold perpetrators accountable. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, that happened. Oh my god. That woman could Just when you herself, think though. white people can't like, get worse. Yeah, they start attacking old people. <sighs> I cannot stand this time that we're in. I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> yeah, me either. So this next one is from People.com by Steve Helling. And it was actually published on March 16th, 2021. So a couple days ago. Okay. And uh, we've, we're bringing Florida back into the mix. Yay! <laughs> Florida woman who allegedly pretended to be plastic surgeon... Botched nose job is arrested. Is arrested. What procedure? Wh- yeah. What? You don't learn plastic surgery from YouTube. What the fuck? <laughs> Apparently, this woman thought that she could. Um, no. Al Al Alcaria. Jimenez de Rodriguez has been charged sure. with practicing medicine without a license and resisting arrest without violence. A Florida woman was arrested after police say that she posed as a licensed plastic surgeon and botched a man's nose job. According to the Miami Herald, which cites police, uh, Rodriguez, 56, was in the middle of performing another procedure on Thursday when police arrested her. Authorities began to investigate Rodriguez last month after they received a complaint from a former patient who said that his nose job had been botched. The alleged victim in that case, Vincenzo Zerlo, told NBC Miami that he met Rodriguez through a friend. He had been getting Botox treatments for a few months before asking her about a rhinoplasty. Um... Zerlo tells the station that he was unhappy with the initial procedure and was suffering from extreme pain. He alleges that Rodriguez offered to perform a second corrective procedure, but the results were also disappointing. That's insane! I know, right? Nose jobs are not easy! No. She ruined my life, Zerlo told the station, adding that he paid $2,800 for the surgery. Investigators tell the Herald that Rodriguez isn't licensed to practice medicine in the state of Florida. Uh, Rodriguez Is she licensed to practice anywhere, is my follow-up question? I don't think so, because I think they would have said that she was, and they don't. Because they're being specific, like, she's not licensed in Florida, but she is licensed in Tennessee. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. That's a little hairy. Yeah. Maybe Weird. Wait, so she then. was doing she was doing his Botox? Uh, I guess so. Okay. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. 
And then she was like, I give you a nope job if you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, sure. <laughs> in her living room? Like, I don't understand. Was she in a hospital? I don't know. They don't give us that information. <laughs> maybe wow. She, maybe she had like a Botox clinic. And he maybe. Was, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Rodriguez is being held at the Miami-Dade County Jail on a five thousand dollar bond. Just uh, five thousand? Yeah. That seems low. <laughs> It seems really low for, like, extorting a man and ruining his face. Yeah. She has been charged with practicing medicine without a license and resisting arrest without violence. She needs to pay for him to have a new nose job from an actual plastic surgeon so he can get his face fixed, poor thing. Seriously. Oh, my God. (laughs) You can really fuck up someone's life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. you can fuck up the way that they breathe and shit. Like, that's... That's not... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thing to play with. No! That's his sinuses and shit. Yeah. She has not yet entered a plea, and online records do not reflect, do not reflect an attorney authorized to speak on her behalf. So... Uh, we'll see how that goes. She'll represent herself, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the stepmom <laughs> and the, um, recent case where the kid died. And what? And she's getting blamed. Oh, yeah. Um. No, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it happened in Colorado, apparently. She's, um, this kid went missing, and they're pretty sure he's dead. They just haven't found his body. Um, oh, that's horrible. Wait, yeah. that does sound familiar. I, I think his name is Cannon. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty sure his stepmom did it. And she was acting super sketch in, like, all of her um, interviews. And her message to... His name is I Gannon. do know about this. Yes. Yeah. Her message to him was not, get home safe, we love you, no one's mad at you. It was... I want you to get home so you can clear my name. Ew. Yeah, and now she's representing herself in court. Oh, she's insane. Okay, that's, yeah. yeah. She 100% did it. Only guilty people do that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry about it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's really tragic. Okay, well, let's move on to... (laughs) Uh, That's not the point of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the point, but it is happening. Um, Oh, wow. So we're still in Florida. This is from MSN.com. And this is by Colin Warren Hicks for Pensacola News Journal yesterday. Um, Florida assistant principal and daughter arrested in homecoming queen vote scandal. Oh, my God! (laughs) taken very seriously this is so funny i can't handle this oh my god i'm so excited oh my god this is so stupid yay (laughs) (laughs) okay let's hear it uh okay 
So, an assistant principal at a Florida elementary school and her teenage daughter have been accused of using the mother's privileged access to the school district's internal system to cast fraudulent votes in favor of the daughter winning homecoming queen at her high school. Oh my god. Yeah. None of this matters! (laughs) Oh, people! (laughs) Laura Rose Carroll, 50, of Pensacola, and her 17-year-old daughter were arrested Monday, according to a news release from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Uh Uh-huh. Um, the teen was being held at Escambia Regional Juvenile Detention Center. Um... Final determination of whether she will be tried as an adult will rest with prosecutors. Wait a second. What? Yeah. That's dumb. I think it's dumb that they got arrested. I'm confused. Why is this an arrestable offense? Yeah, I don't I don't understand. Um This is just silliness. Like Well, oh I see. Um, What happened? FDLE agents learned that Carol and her daughter used Focus, the district's student information system, to cast fraudulent votes for her daughter to win homecoming. Oh, so they, like, hacked and committed fraud. Okay. Yeah. Also, shouldn't be tried as an adult. It's a nonviolent crime. Yeah. Um, That one dude wasn't charged as an adult, and he, you know, posted a nude video of his girlfriend having sex with him as a minor. So why would she be charged as as an adult? For trying to be homecoming queen. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, it was an invasion of the the other student's privacy. But it's not a sex crime. No. Is what I'm saying. Like, there's no consistency here. No. But the mother is also accused of allowing her daughter to use her access to focus to access hundreds of students' personal files. Well, yeah, she's an adult. She should be tried that way. Yes. Yeah. The student should not. Oh, that's um, dumb. Wow. Ugh. Yeah. Way to blow something totally out of proportion. Yeah. So you committed fraud for something that doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like you can put that on your resume later. I no. was homecoming queen. Everyone said so. <laughs> <laughs> um... Both Carol and her daughter were charged with three third-degree felonies, committing wow. offenses against, compu- against users of computers and electronic devices, unlawful use of a two-way communications device, and criminal use of personally identifiable information. Whoa! They were also charged with conspiracy to commit the offenses, a first-degree misdemeanor. Um, Goodness gracious. Yeah. They're just stacking them on. Oh, yeah. Good lord. Apparently, the daughter had access to these for, like, four years. Whoa! That's real bad. Yeah, she was able to see her classmates' grades and stuff, which was not good. Oh, that's real bad. No, that's 100% confidentiality violation. Yep. So, Carol was suspended from her job, and then the daughter has been expelled from Tate High School. Um, Wow. Yeah. So they're real fun. Are you still a queen? Does it feel good to be a queen? <laughs> oh my god. People have got to get their priorities straight. What the fuck? Oh, That's yeah. the dumbest crime I've ever heard of. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> Including the guy who wrapped his face in duct tape to rob a liquor store. <laughs> like, do at least math, his motive was, like, <laughs> like, made sense. 
Like, what the hell? Nobody voted for you because you're probably an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, so, that was awesome. No, thanks. <laughs> uh, let's take a short break. Okay. Or is that... Sorry, I kept interrupting you. What were you saying? No, I was just saying that's my segment. Nice. <laughs> Excellent work. Thank you. All right, let's take a quick break. Hello! Hi, everybody. We're back. We are back. All right, so... I was once again inspired by this okay. podcast, We'll Kill You. They did a an episode about caffeine, and I learned some things about coffee throughout history. Oh, that fun. That I found really, really fascinating. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So this okay. is an article from History.com. Um, it was written February 11th of 2020 um, by Jessica Pierce Rotondi, and uh, it's called How Coffee-Fueled Revolutions and Revolutionary Ideas. Nice. All right. Sultan Murad, Murad? Murad the Fourth decreed death to coffee drinkers in the Ottoman Empire. King Charles II dispatched, dispatched spies to infiltrate London's coffee houses, which he saw as the original source of, quote, false news. Ha! Fake news. Look at that. It's always been around. Um, we've always been this way, you guys. We have not evolved. <laughs> During the Enlightenment, Voltaire, Rousseau, and Isaac Newton could all be found talking philosophy over coffee. The cafes of Paris sheltered revolutionaries plotting the storming of the Bastille and later served as the place authors like Simone de Beauvoir and Jean-Paul Sartre plotted their latest books. Aww. History is steeped in ideas sparked over cups of coffee. Here's a rundown of the revolutionary power of the commonplace cafe. So let's talk about this for just a second. We're going to deviate from the article. So before coffee and tea were discovered, people drank alcohol at every meal, no matter their age. Because, because the water was not safe to drink. Okay? Yeah. So, you went for, people, so people went from being drunk all day. And then coffee and tea were discovered, and these drinks caught in popularity because they were boiled. They yeah. were drunk hot, so they were safe to drink, which, like, eliminated cholera and typhoid, like, all the dysentery, all the, like, waterborne illnesses. It made water safe to drink, and they were caffeinated, so instead of being drunk, you were more alert. So this made a total shift in the, prog- in the progress made in, like, in the workforce, in everything. Yeah. Okay. So the first coffee house opens in the Ottoman Empire. Coffee houses began in the Ottoman Empire. Since liquor and bars were off limits to most practicing Muslims, coffee houses provided an alternative place to gather, socialize, and share ideas. Aww. Coffee's affordability and egalitarian structure, anyone. Anyone could come in and, and order a cup, eroded centuries of social norms. Not everyone was pleased by this change, though. Of course. <laughs> Why would they be? <laughs> Why would the rich people like that? Um, in, in 1633, Sultan Murad IV decreed that the consumption of coffee was a capital offense. Murad IV's brother and uncle had been killed by janissaries, infantry units who were known to frequent cafes. 
The Sultan was also dedicated to catching coffee sippers in the act that he allegedly disguised was he was so dedicated that he allegedly disguised himself as a commoner and prowled Istanbul, decapitating offenders with his hundred pound broadsword. Jesus Christ. Right? Ottoman Sultans issued and retracted coffeehouse bans well into the 18th century to prevent the gathering of dissidents. But by then, coffeehouses had already spread to Europe and were striking fear into the hearts of kings. <laughs> of course they were. And then there's this fun little tidbit here in the middle. Did you know coffee was such an ingrained part of society in Saudi Arabia that failing to supply your wife with coffee was grounds for divorce? Fuck yeah! <laughs> Let's bring that back. Yes. I think we just call that irreconcilable irreconcilable differences now. Hang on a second. English coffee houses versus Charles II. Mm -hmm. Pasquale Rosier opened the first coffee house in London in 1652, prompting a revolution in London society. Quote, British culture was intensely hierarchical and structured. It was. The idea that you could go and sit next to someone as an equal was radical, says Markham Ellis, author of The Coffee House, A Cultural History. The defining feature of English coffee houses were communal tables covered with newspapers and pamphlets where guests would gather to consume, discuss, and even write the news. That's awesome. Quote, right? Coffee houses were the motor of news industry in the 18th century London, Ellis explains. King Charles II's father, Charles I, had, had been decapitated during the English Civil War, so he was understandably paranoid about his subjects gathering to talk politics. <laughs> On June 12, 1672, Charles II issued a proclamation to, quote, restrain the spreading of false news and, lic and licentious talking of matters of state and government. Which read in part, quote, men have assumed to themselves a liberty, not only onely in coffee houses, but in other places and meetings, both public and private, to censure and defame the proceedings of state by speaking evil of things they understand not. Mm -hmm. To combat this quote unquote evil, Secretary of State Sir Joseph Williamson embedded a network of spies in London coffee houses in, in December of 1675. Charles II went as far as ordering the closure of all coffee houses in London. The ban lasted 11 days. <laughs> <laughs> the people had spoken. Coffee was here to stay. They were like, nope, sorry. Nope. <laughs> nope, can't you do want it. Us to do we will cut your head off if you do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> coffee houses became known as penny universities. So the band's failure was history's gain. The very type of open discussion Charles II feared led to the explosion of new ideas during the Enlightenment. In Oxford, locals had begun calling coffee houses penny universities because for the cost of a cup of coffee, you could gain access to intellectual discussions and critically sober debate. Emphasis on the sober. <laughs> At a time when beer was often a safer drinking option than water, this was no small thing. In his diaries, Samuel, Samuel Pepys, Pepys 
recorded the stimulating conversations he overheard at the coffee houses he frequented. Most coffee houses catered to a specific clientele. The Grecian Coffee House near Fleet Street was a meeting place for Whigs, which is a political party, um, as well as members of this of the Royal Society, like Isaac Newton, who once dissected a dolphin. Who once dissected a dolphin on one of its tables. Ooh, that's not. Meanwhile, sanitary. no, it's not. Um, <laughs> but it was Newton. So I don't know. That's disgusting, but clear. But also, like anatomy class, right here. Um, meanwhile, poets John Dryden, Alexander Pope, and writer Jonathan Swift held court at Will's Coffee House. Mm-hmm. At Jonathan's Coffee House in Exchange Alley, stockbrokers crowded around to trade shares after official trading hours had closed, giving birth to the London Stock Exchange. Lloyd's Coffee House was a nexus for sailors and merchants who dreamed up Lloyd's of London insurance market within its walls. That's still a thing today. Um, Coffee's influence began to spread as travelers returned to their home countries, hooked on caffeine and craving conversation. Mm -hmm. Isn't this insane? Yeah. Frederick the Great. Right? Frederick the Great declares war on coffee. I always thought it was cocaine, but it's coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Frederick the Great of Germany was so against coffee that he attempted to outlaw the drink outright in favor of beer on September 13th, 1777. This is a running theme. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. The people in power are afraid of their people, their subjects being alert and informed. Exactly. Those with absolute power are afraid of losing it. They would rather everyone be drunk all the time and not giving a shit as opposed to actually making progress and jeopardizing their position. Oh, yeah. Does it sound familiar? Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Afraid that the the importation of coffee was costing his kingdom and his highness business... He required all coffee sellers to register with the crown, denying licenses to all but a few friends of the court and employing former soldiers to work as sniffers, roaming the streets to detect any contraband coffee roasters. His, his strong opinions on coffee were recorded in a 1799 letter. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Quote. Hang on. Remy, honey, I know you have some big opinions. You're very silly, honey. Okay. Quote, it is despicable to see how extensive the consumption of coffee is. If this is limited a bit, people will have to get used to beer again. His royal majesty was raised eating beer soup, so these people can also be brought up nurtured with beer soup. This is much healthier than coffee. No, it's not. Well, that doesn't sound remotely true. The ban was lifted after his death, and the healthy debates waged in coffee houses continued. All right, coffee and the American Revolution. Let's go. Coffee was seen as a patriotic drink in the colonies after the Boston Tea Party. See? Because of the Mm -hmm. tea taxes, that's why coffee is prevalent in, in America, and tea continues across the sea. Yeah. Ha ha! I love this. This is like my favorite thing. I love yeah. learning these weird, this weird fact. Okay. So, um, oh my God. Okay. 
After the Boston Tea Party, when drinking tea fell out of fashion. At the time, American taverns served coffee alongside liquor, and the Green Dragon Tavern in Boston was nicknamed the Headquarters of the Revolution by Daniel Webster for housing many meetings of the Sons of Liberty, leading up to and during the Revolutionary War. Over in New York... Right? Over in New York, Merchant's Coffee House was known for its gatherings of patriots eager to break free from George III. In the 1780s, it became the site where merchants organized to create both the Bank of New York and reorganize the New York Chamber of Commerce. Across the pond, Benjamin Franklin wrote his open letter to the Lord, to Lord North, satirizing the king's power over the colonies from the Smyrna Coffee House in London. All right, so let's talk about Paris. Paris cafes, source of mad agitation. Parisian cafes, with their social egalitarianism, were an ideal location for republic Republican agitation and organization during the French Revolution. A royalist of the era complained, quote, where does, where does so much mad agitation come from? From a crowd of minor clerks and lawyers, from unknown writers, starving scribblers, who go about rabble-rousing in clubs and cafes. These are the hotbeds that have forged the weapons with which the masses are armed today. Unquote. Wow. The Paris's Café de Foy hosted the call to arms for the storming of the Bastille during the Enlightenment. The Café Procope had been had been the place where men like Rousseau, Diderot, and Voltaire gathered to hone their philosophies and art. After the revolution, Parisian cafe culture again began... Hang on. Okay, where was I? That's all right. After the revolution, Parisian cafe culture again became the the haunt of writers and thinkers gathering to exchange ideas and work on their next masterpiece. Expatriates like Ernest Hemingway, Gertrude Stein, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and T.S. Eliot met at La Rotonde, French poet and critic. Oh, Lord. Apollinaire? <laughs> Apollinaire wrote, wrote on his art review, Les Soirées de, Les, Les Soirées de Paris at the Café de Flora. Flory? I don't know. There's a lot of French words. Sitting alongside André Breton. By, by mid-century, Simone de Beauvoir and Jean, Jean-Paul Sartier debated and created philosophies from its tables. From the Ottoman Empire to England, the United States to France, coffee houses led to a meeting of the minds that inspired new waves of thought. And that's it. That's awesome. I really like that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been insane, and my baby is crying, so I have to go. So uh, it's everyone stay safe, and remember, you are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Crooked. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcrooked.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things Crooked, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Crooked. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.